I know I'm just a disembodied voice to you. But, if something were to happen to me, would you miss me? Would my absence mean anything to you? Not saying that anything is going to happen to me. But if it did. Oh hell don't even think about it. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Alright, hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show of to do this. I didn't think this one out. <laughs> My name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hey. We are closing in on the end of season six, and now we're at the penultimate episode i believe and it's called the sound of her voice yeah yeah this is episode 25 of season six it originally aired june 10th 1998 here is the imd description as the defiant races to a shipwrecked officer who is days away the crew keeps in contact with her meanwhile and jake follows quark's latest scheme for story research this is uh the 500 episode of star trek right oh really, oh, really? yeah this is number five for the whole franchise so well they wanted to do something really really special in an episode that everyone will remember mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh yeah I, this is not a this is not a bad episode no 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 that came out as more biting i don't yeah yeah than i meant for it someone said that in the middle of production someone said do you know this is the fifth 500th episode yeah, and yeah. Goes, oh really like oh, you could tell okay. they didn't plan it as something special right, right right it's not a bad episode it's actually it's pretty all right we're back to a b plot that is totally unrelated to the a plot unless the sound of her voice is Kira's voice and that's what I see that they're a little related I don't know how I feel about this episode well I feel like the B plot is an acknowledgement that Odo is broken a character realizes that Odo is substantially broken and that yeah. he could take advantage of it yeah I don't know how I feel about that B plot because it's just weird it was weird I've got to unpack how just this is kind of a weird episode I was kind of in it for I mean I knew the ending I knew the trick so I'm kind of with it and I think it like for the most part I'm like this kind of works and then at the end they like it all ends in this Al Feldstein or M. Night Shyamalan trick reveal and it's kind of like did you need that? Right? What does that fundamentally change? Like I guess that it was like the irony that they couldn't have helped her anyway. It wanted to get like a a Star Trek thing into the episode. Oh what's a Star Trek twist but it just feels like okay that's oh and there's a time thing that changes it up but i agree it felt like okay that i mean it's a bummer they could have gotten there too late you know and she still did right well if they could have gotten there too like there was never any chance that they would ever have saved her life so they don't have to feel too bad about it or there's a dramatic irony that they tried so hard to you know but and then they learn something about themselves and i think it does a good job of that i get and that's what that's the part that works i think yeah yeah also the voice is one of the original mad tv yes actresses oh really yes yeah she's the african-american founding cast member of uh, a female Uh, yes now that you, now that I could put a face to the name, mm-hmm. yeah, that because I, I was like, who is? It did sound vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing about this episode is about I don't like watching Cisco be mean to his girlfriend. Yeah, I don't like watching it. I think it added an interesting. I did like that they're having yeah. problems. No, it but, was interesting, yeah. but I didn't. I didn't like it as a space friends. Like, as a space friend, right. and that's another. If you're watching this because they're they're your space friends and they're solving problems in space, they don't actually solve any problems. 
like the <laughs> the central problem doesn't get like is a mm-hmm. colossal failure. Yeah, I like that from a storytelling perspective because it feels as though this is a next yeah. generation very easily could have done this episode when they actually do save the you know the downed commander. Yeah, and they still learn stuff along the way. And it's nice to have Cassidy Yates in this episode. It's like oh yeah, Cassidy's in here. And part of me likes that they don't get along, but how they don't get along is just weird. It's just like he's like yeah, she was great for that mission, but I just hate having her around when I'm on the job. And that makes sense, but it, like, there's no turning point. He's just like, yeah, I just hate having her here. I know that that's like common for older men who like are accomplished mm-hmm. in life and then start into these, you know, sort of late stage relationships where I've let the relationship into this room of my house, but they can't go in here, you know? Right, right. And I, I understand it and it worked for me mm-hmm. fine, but it, it was just weird. It's like, He's just being a jerk to her. But, you know, like relationships could be like that. You yeah. know? So it didn't didn't make me mad or make me think, oh, man. But it's just like he's just like, man, I just, I just wish she'd just get and, the fuck out. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, like, it would have been nicer if they maybe, I don't know, this is where serialization helps, where they'd built it over multiple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a growing tension. Or, and, uh, where that was really is that all of the sudden now Bashir is like. front loaded. Yeah. 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 Bashir oh, is yeah. like super asshole as opposed to just subtly an aloof asshole. <laughs> Back and forth, depending on the whims of what the plot means. Actually, Actually, I did like that scene. I mean, do we want to talk about it? That's at the beginning. I mean, the, the B-plot's in the cold open of Quark. But like, yeah, where Quark is apparently also the OSHA officer on the fucking Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Odo, Odo is. Odo is coming. Oh, yeah. That was weird when he's coming in here like, no, these stools can't have, they have to have backs on them. It's like, are you just making shit up or just like, why are you being that kind of dick, man? Because we've gone six seasons. No, he was quoting section rules and stuff. That's what I, I, know. I, I hate section rules quoting in any stories. It always seems too much for characters to know that much. Yeah, like that that these were the rules that were on the books the whole time that uh, protocol 62562 says that you have to have a back on your mm. seat yeah. or else they might get vertigo and the bar stools that for those to be actual rules it's like come on dude i was thinking the writers don't you realize that star trek is about is trying to highlight the better parts of socialist countries not the worst parts of socialist <laughs> countries <laughs> yeah, right. where everything is codified and like there, there's no individuality or creativity allowed in you know these kind of spaces but then he notices that he can take advantage of Voto's love for Kira to run some shenanigans with and then Jake is into it because he can write a book or something. I do like that it's one of the few times where there's a lot of episodes where Quark schemes, but this was more of an episode where Quark executes a common con. Like you see more as a professional criminal. That's kind of cool. That's kind of what I always thought they should have done with Quark is to keep him like a Danny Ocean or something like that, you know? Right, right. I always go back with George Clooney with this guy, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> he's the George Clooney of Ferengi. We've said it before. But like, you know, that he's like, you know, a professional criminal who executes professional criminal things. And so it's mm-hmm. a weird episode. Like, I don't, I liked most of the stuff, but like at the end it was, it did, it wasn't a wet fart. It was just kind of like a, <laughs> it was whatever, whatever on the, on the spectrum is right above a wet fart. So yeah, we can go through it. But yeah, this is a, this was a weird one for me. Cisco and Cassidy are doing the, in the Rutharian sector or the vegan system, the vegan system. How do you know you're in the vegan system? Don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's uh, <laughs> in the beta con- it's in the beta quadrant right yeah so they're off the front lines that gets brought up later is this the only time we've ever went to the beta quadrant the original series does i mean the beta quadrant's like where the the line is to the romulan empire and the demilitarized zone and everything like that but i guess now that the romulans have entered the war that they can go over there i don't know well no, that was from eight years ago i mean they had an exploratory oh, yeah. ship right. going to, so that's I don't true think I, yeah in undiscovered country it says that sulu charted in the beta quadrant he went to chart when he was like the captain of the excelsior uh, okay yeah so that was the first mention of the beta quadrant as a thing i think and then they kind of changed bashir again when he comes in and he's all grump and not talkative cisco says oh i kind of like him better this way and she's like, that's kind of a dick thing to say. He's like, oh, no, no, babe, I was only joking. And she's like, no, you weren't. Which kind of gets the their relationship. He's kind of burnt down through this war, and he's in a bad mood sometimes. So now they're just in a relationship long enough, you start to wear on each other a little bit. So that's believable, right? Whoa, whoa, Wade, keep your personal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in a very happy relationship. But, you know, I think I don't think she likes me sometimes. <laughs> I don't think anybody's emotions rang false. I think maybe it was a little overcooked or a little sort of forced to be like an issue. And it was originally pitched where Cisco fell in love with the, uh, the originally was supposed to be a woman from the 1940s and working at like a, like some sort of naval observatory or something that was having Uh the conversation. Like he came over the CB or whatever, I think was how the story was pitched. The person's name is Pam Pietroforte, Pietroforte, and I. Uh, she's pitched two stories to Deep Space Nine. This one and the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest episode, but she literally doesn't exist anywhere else on the internet. Hmm. So I was trying to see, or I, I'm saying she. It's it's someone named Pam. I don't even know. I can't right, even right. find a confirmation that it's a woman. I mean, I hope it is just for you know numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice that a woman pitched a story. I, you know, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. But then Ronald D. Moore, you know, it's a Ronald D. Moore episode, so. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Cusack is in the Rutharian sector on it. Stuck on an L-class world, which is, you know, one letter away from an M-class, so you can live there for a little while before you die. Carbon dioxide rich or something? It seemed like there yeah, was some, it seems like, yeah. some science writing about, like, that they have elevated CO2 right. levels. Yeah. She's been taking 15 cc's of trioxide for the excess CO2 buildup. Bashir's like, you better take it down to eight, because it's going to take, like, eight days to get there. And so they're in a race against time, basically, because she's a, she's going to run out of space drugs, and she's there by herself. So, because at first they can't even talk to her, and then Bashir... I mean, and O'Brien has to figure out how to get past this rotating subspace frequency to talk to her. And then when Cassidy Yates is like saying, why does Cisco like have to be such a dick? Should I get off of here? And he's like, no, I like you. And then that's when Lisa Cusack hears him or whatever. We learn that there's an energy barrier and space shenanigans keeping her on the planet. So everybody has to take turns talking to Lisa to keep her spirits up, basically. I think that the writing of the character, I think sometimes they get in their head, I want to write this kind of role, but we're going to cast this person. I know Iris Stephen Bear does that. So I want to create Vic Fontaine. The the personality, the the character, the what makes this person different than the other is all sort of put on the onus of casting. But I like that it feels like because they're introducing a character that you can't see and it isn't really, I mean, it's cast, but isn't really cast. Mm-hmm. It's like Ronald D. Moore spent the time to write an interesting character because she's got a little large... 
in the script. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you always want to go back. Yeah, Ronald D. Moore, in the next script, you're right. You could do that with the characters that are are on screen. <laughs> My biggest beef with this, this I was, that was actually a point I was going to make, is that I'm, I'm a little bit pissed off that they made such an interesting three-dimensional character uh-huh. and not killed her off, but they didn't apply the same sort of, they didn't put their shoulder into it with any of the other characters. Yeah. You know, it took them so long to make Jadzia a three-dimensional character. It took them so yeah, long yeah. to, you know, and then mm. they eventually ruined <laughs> Odo. I mean. Right. And they're, they're still working on Bashir in this episode. They're still trying to fix him and they're tinkering <laughs> yeah. with like, God, he is always in the shop. That character right? is always in the shop. Right. Now, they, now, yeah, they, they, in the first scene that we just talked about, they're like, oh, he doesn't talk much anymore. That's where they write him out at the end of this episode. He's like, I know y'all think I don't talk. And it's like, his whole shtick that he doesn't shut the fuck up. But now he's the... Yeah, and that was another thing is that nothing was bothering him. He was just an asshole. But that they introduce it as he's been in a foul mood lately. And I thought that they were going to tie it in with the O'Brien thing. And I thought in the middle, I was like, is one of these little side plots with the cast going to be that she's playing marriage counselor between O'Brien and Bashir? Where they're both trying to push away from each other because the war, out of like guarding their heart because of the war because one of the you know one of these people are going to die and obviously you know right. spoiler alert there's a there's foreshadowing in this episode <laughs> yeah oh, it's pretty but, heavy like oh shit we gotta do this stat most death well and there's no Jadzia in this no get this get this well. she was written in this episode what? and then when they went to film her she said can you uh, she asked to be taken out because she had to go look for a job <laughs> yeah right because it She's was like, pilot season my agent has a hot lead on a Ted Danson show <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, so they, she literally, she was wrote off this episode. So, you know, her penultimate, we've talked about this, uh, spoiler yeah, alert, yeah, spoiler alert for the, the last 10 episodes we've done. But, uh, like, yeah, was, <laughs> they're trying to write her off the show. And listen, rules of acquisition, listener. <laughs> well, this show's been off the air for 20 years. If you have <laughs> figured out that, that Terry Farrell goes and leaves at the end of the season, we don't know what to tell you. So she's going and looking for a job. And I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I can't fault her for that. That was the. I can't fault her for that, but it was weird that she's not there. Because you're thinking, yeah, like, yeah. why aren't they spending this time to, like, build her character up so that it's powerful? Right. And she's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck <laughs> yeah. you, Dave Rick Herman, I'm out. <laughs> kiss my ass, kiss his ass. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because she's a really, really well-written character. And... And and was funny like the scene where she goes oh no we're getting attacked and then oh yeah 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 that was oh no is he yeah I mean I'm not saying that was laugh out loud funny but you're like oh that's a that's a fun character quirk that someone that has that kind of personality and you right, know right, that's right. witty and that kind of yeah so yeah, I because Bashir's ignoring her and he's like listen here son of a bitch I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna the shit out yeah, of yeah I'm gonna fuck around with you and then she has an interesting way to give advice like she tells Cisco that he's not wrong he's not wrong for not wanting a part oh, yeah. of his life that's not you know yeah so like there's yeah, yeah. she's like I hated having my sister around when I was in over here so like her advice wasn't a hundred percent obvious it felt like it was coming from a unique person and pers- it, it it just shows that like if they try they can nail it right. <laughs> sometimes and they they just go oh you know i want to you know like a, i want a steve lawrence type well 
go cast a Steve Lawrence type and it'll all right. sort itself out. It'll be good TV. Everybody likes Steve Lawrence, right? <laughs> Everybody in 1998 is just clamoring for more B-list Rat Packers, right? <laughs> right. I like how Cisco's even Avery Brooks is like acting technique. I'm preoccupied. I'm going to play with this iPads. Give me more iPads. I'm preoccupied. He's got <laughs> three. On. I'm so preoccupied. More and more iPads. Yeah, the O'Brien, they each have their moment with her. And yeah, with the Bashir's ignoring her and she pretends like she's a monster that's eaten her and he's like i'm sorry o'brien's maybe was i like the most out of all of like his kind of i've been in a war before mm-hmm. you focus on it you hunker down to get through it you know like i did this in the last war but maybe i'm older now and his his growing isolation because he's like look man i've been through this war and it just feels different now because i'm like i know all these people might be dead tomorrow so i can't get attached i see people like talk to them, I laugh with them, but some part of me is always saying, they may not be here tomorrow. Her dislike of counselors, so yeah, fuck, uh, fuck Deanna Troy, or, you know, like, it's like, and he's, and he's like, oh, and they get to, he gets to work in his enlisted soldier, like, these people with all their diplomas and shit think they know what's best for you she she just goes along with them like yeah you got friends right yeah i got friends and then why don't you talk to your friends it's like well shit i can't or your wife and okay fine you're right i should talk to a counselor maybe except this show doesn't have one it reminded me of like the why why are there so many shows about therapists and therapy it's the same reason that therapists become therapists their own narcissism and there's two ways to look at it writers are neurotic uh and you know have a lot of neuroses and end up going to counselors it's also sort of a very lonely process of being able to talk to a person and talk it out is really helpful so writers probably more than the general populace people who write go to therapy like traditional psychoanalysis therapy and so that's that's fine that makes sense to me that it's their experience and so it you know it mutates itself into tv shows but it's also a really it's really a convenient way to just have the character explain their inner emotions yes that's (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah, that's it that's the whole thing because somebody's asking them literally explain your inner emotions to me (laughs) right right Let's just make this easier. And so it seems like it popped. Maybe it just popped because they choose a, a trope, an effective trope. I don't know. I like, guess the best I, way to subvert that is to have a bunch of stories that take place during an e-meter reading session. <laughs> I think that would probably be a good way See, to... See, but that gets boring because they're just asking the same question over and over again until they get the right answer. I guess, sure. That's, well, or you make it, well, that scene from The Master where, it, like, it, uh, you know, it's oh, pro- yeah. that's probably still the best scene that he's ever made. Did you know he workshop? this is my P, I would rather talk about P.T. Anderson this episode. Now, um, <laughs> Sidebar. Did you know that he, like, workshopped that at Largo for, like, a year? year where he would have um actors go and just do it on the set at largo really uh, uh, just do that scene over and over again where he would keep writing it rewriting it and rewriting it it was like a year long process of him just writing that scene and and having huh. his wife and you know whoever he could get whatever a you know pat oswald and and pt anderson's wife go up there and are they even married? P.T. Anderson's life partner uh, up there to do it. And then it would just be different actors and rotating things. So it's it's interesting that, that you know, but yes, that would be that would be the, the, the subversion of that trope. But I, I don't know. Like, I felt like I've complained about the, the, the shitty facile writing for the episode that it was like nice to have at least that, you know, there's a reason why the psychiatrist trope is effective. It's 
you know, it pulls you, you know, and it was mm-hmm. nice that they're just playing with a trope that works or that I respond to, I guess, more than, you know, sex changes or Ferengi shenanigans or, <laughs> right. hey, wouldn't it be cool if a shitty lounge singer, like, helped everybody out? The question is, do you respond to it because it's a thing you respond to? Don't or know. This is just this is just better than those, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I tolerate the psychiatry trope more than... I probably should. I don't know. I think, you know, it's one of those that you just have a blind spot for. It does allow you to... It's built in. Explore. Yeah, Yeah. you do allows you to explore not just deep emotions, but also idiosyncratic emotions. And there's a lot you can unpack with it that's just... It's probably not good because it's deeply uncreative. Sure. But... It is the scenes I remember most in Mr. Robot. It is the scene, you know, it's a lot of stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. And it works, I mean, it works pretty, I think, pretty well in this episode. Like, there's not seeing a psychiatrist there. Mm-hmm. This, this person that they are just talking to nonstop, and you're talking to a voice that you don't know, like, and just rambling to, to an extent. Like, and then you start talking about yourself, and that's kind of what O'Brien falls and finds himself doing because he, mm-hmm. He doesn't know this woman, but he's got it. She's asking him. She's a good enough character where she's trying to get. She's like actively trying to get her mind off her own problems of being stranded mm-hmm. on this planet where she can't breathe. So she's like asking these other people about their problems, and they open up to her. And he talks about his shit and problems with psychiatrists and whatnot. But but it all feels kind of organic out of the situation, you know? Like yeah, he's just yeah. talking to a voice, you know. It's not poorly done. Do you know what I think maybe it was too? And I don't. They don't talk about this on anything that I saw in Memory Alpha or anything. But do you know, like, uh, you remember, like, this was like '98 when this was starting to be written, and around that time, the world was obsessed with meeting people online, oh. and so it seemed like everything was about how the internet makes sharing your experiences easier. And I think mm-hmm. that was probably on a lot of people's minds about falling in love with people in chat rooms and all the that was around the 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 chat room divorces started sweeping uh. the country <laughs> and uh, and you know yeah. and so maybe they were trying to tap into that. Sort it of, was in the cultural. It zeitgeist. was in the zeitgeist. Yeah. yeah, whether they were actively trying to, I mean, it was there, right? So. That was probably in the 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 Pam Pam Pammy. <laughs> Pam, Pammy, oh, yeah. who pitched it, um, maybe that was in her or his, their mind, the uh, the uh-huh. preferred gender neutral, their mind about what was going on. So that would something about this, like they worked harder and it felt truer. Yeah. Until they tacked on this, like she's been dead for years. It's yeah. A spacey they, they space just, science thing. It felt tacked on. It didn't. It felt like oh, we got to do a Star Trek space mm-hmm. problem at yes. the end it's like mm-hmm. okay but they they did all the character work that they did building up to it felt like it worked you know it just like yeah you get to the end and they get to the find the exogenic field and there's all this subspace metreon radiation and the dilithium and the warp core won't let the ship transport anything so they they can take a shuttle so and we get to see the not that who gives a fuck, but we get to see the Defiant has a shuttle that looks different from every uh, shuttle that I've seen on Star Trek. Different model. Oh or yeah, you get to see it. That's the it's the only time they show the shuttle bay. Yeah. You know that that Defiant shuttle looks cooler. It's more streamlined and rounded than a lot of the other ones. I thought it looked pretty boss, but <laughs> I'm gonna but, be yeah. honest with you. I don't actually remember seeing it. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I watched it. I watched this episode twice, once a couple of days ago when I came home and I was very drunk. And then tonight, I was like, I haven't watched this. And my my life partner was just like, <laughs> we watched this the other night. What are you talking about? I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, what did she go, think they, of it? What did she think of it? I don't know what normies. I don't know. This is a weird episode. It's probably going to be on my white album for season six, though. But yeah. probably by default, you know? <laughs> right. There's a lot of... Uh, they they go back to old cavey the cave set but they it looks do. different because they they throw all the rain in and some blue gels and a stalactite formation oh. and they they make they good they they make good use of the set that we've seen a thousand times to make it look different so you know good kudos mm-hmm. to them so we talk about how the a plot has got this sort of trick reveal that feels almost perfunctory like they had to do a trick reveal. Did I miss a trick in the B plot, or was it honest? Was it earnest? Because uh, the whole time I, I was it... thinking that like Quark was playing a long con, Quark and Jake, or Jake and Odo were playing a long con, or something. Yeah, I was wondering at one point are are Quark and Odo playing a long con on Jake, the writer? <laughs> I don't. I was trying to that figure would have been it out. The best. That would have been the more clever. That would have been the right? best. Yeah. Oh, you want to? Yeah. Oh, you come up to me asking. Oh, I want to write about criminals because that's what we haven't talked about the B plot extensively here. But he's like, <laughs> I'm writing a novel and I can't figure out these nefarious uh, uh, crime people. And Quark is like, Fuck you, man. First off, nobody thinks they're nefarious. And so if the whole thing was just like, Hey, Odo, Jake thinks he's gonna write a crime novel and he's coming at me. And, yeah. and then now that they're, they're that would have been fun. And they, and they teach him a lesson. It was like, Yeah. They go, we did this to teach you a lesson. And Jake gets out and goes, what's the lesson? And the lesson is, uh, we don't like you very much. Stop, asking <laughs> yeah. Stop hanging around asking everybody what they do. Go live your own fucking life and write about that, asshole. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so in the Who Mourns for More, and I said, yeah, you see it coming a mile away. And everybody, it, it's, you were like, really? And I was like, yeah, I did. And then this was like, I saw, I saw the twist coming a mile away, and it didn't happen it just went earnest <laughs> through the story the court really was upset because he felt like he felt like he invested a lot in his relationship with odo and odo's not doesn't invest. it was like a weird earnest moment and then i was like oh he's just doing this to do a double review no <laughs> like they just yeah. let it go yeah in a way i was like oh we're going back to season one or two quirk where he's running his schemes Mm-hmm. And he's, but then at the same time, we're going to broken season six Odo, where he just like, oh yeah, all that stuff I believed in before, fuck it. What if it had <laughs> this weird? Now. What if it had this weird capper on the end where it was like, and then that Nausicaan killed like a, like a hundred and fifty refugees <laughs> with those crystals, and Odo has their deaths on his head. Like <laughs> that, that would be something. I'll give I, him a pass this I time. I had faith in Quark once, once, once. <laughs> <laughs> In Memory Alpha, they have this thing. There was a cutout scene where uh, Quark unloads to Jake about like how shitty his life has been over this last season. And it's been huh. like a point by point, except for getting his dick cut off. I don't think they talked about that. But, um, <laughs> no, wait. No, we but, don't talk about that. But just point for point about how he's been fucked over the whole time. And he goes into this like thing about how... He was running this really long con on Wei Yun, but like then the Federation won. And then he had some, like it was all the, this stuff. And he goes, Everybody's won a battle in this war, but me is what he said. It seems like it was trying to do a thing where like this season's been hard on Quark and you, the viewer, hasn't paid attention to that. And now yeah. Quark has had a little breakdown. You know, it's that time where, you know, you go to work and you're like, 
hey, you 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 joke with your worker. They're like, leave me the fuck alone. And you're like, whoa, 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 <laughs> Jeff, whoa. Jeff. <laughs> and he, and you're like, I didn't realize things were this bad, Jeff. I'm sorry, you know. Like, <laughs> right. So I think it was supposed to be like that, and then yeah, because you know, and then he's like, oh, Odo, you didn't buy your girlfriend a, a one month anniversary present, and that's the scheme. Yeah, and it's a clear scheme, and then he's gonna take advantage of Odo, and then then Odo changes like, no, I'm gonna change it from Sunday to from Saturday to Sunday, and. Quark's already made a deal with the Nausicaan who changed all his code so he can't get through to him. So he's like, fuck it. I'm fucked now because I know Odo listens to all my shit and he's going to be there. He's not going to be preoccupied on his date in Paris in 1928 because all the other aliens fucking love human romance. Yeah. Odo is a is a barrel when he's when Quark is unloading on Jake about how I was such a good friend to Odo. I went there when he was bitching and moaning about being, uh, you know, hung up on Kira, and I told him not to give up. I was there for him. And you know what? Honestly, he was. And when Odo hears that, he's like, I'm going to give him a win. And then he pretends, yeah, convinces Kira to change it back to Saturday, and she's like, I thought I knew you, but you're a broken character now, so (laughs) anything goes. (laughs) We get the 285th rule of acquisition, too, that no good deed goes unpunished. Again, another... Another rules of acquisition that's just an American cliche or a, a, <laughs> right. a English language cliche about like in, James pisses everybody off by talking about how Odo's broken again. Um, <laughs> so Odo is now a hundred percent a different character, and it's all because like he's fucking Kira. So really, the the scope of his and we've joked about this before, and you've you yourself have responded in this sort of jokingly way that Odo for all of the galactic issues that he has with his identity and his place in the world and his place in the war. Real At the end of the day, Odo didn't have any problem that fucking Kira wouldn't fix. Because he's now he's perfectly nope. happy and, like, he is now a character 100% committed in this. Like, they are a... They are a core relationship now. Like, it's not about, like, how do I feel about Kira or how does Kira feel about me or, like... I really thought I wanted to be in a relationship with Kira, but I really am bored. Or, you know, like, things that happen, you know. I idealized her in my head, and now that I'm here, I'm maybe I don't want what I thought I wanted, or, you know, like, that would have been a little, in- that somewhere to go with it. They gave Cisco and Cassidy a, a dilemma for the first time. It's right. Sort like, of out of the blue as it is. The defining trait of Odo is that he likes law and order and he believes in the rule and you know he's a fascist or whatever mm-hmm. and then but but not anymore now it's just i love kira and and that's what's weird about it and he's like yeah all that stuff that was my defining person i mean there's two ways to look at it you can look at it like now the ever the core of what odo was is just different now hmm. and that's dumb and stupid and you know that, that's fair the other way you could look at it is like oh the character's grown and he sees that he can let things some go he can let some things go because if he's realized the value of friendship, even not just love for Kira, but his friendship with Quark. I think that you could have a character grow, but you have to know what to do with them afterwards. Yeah. And they flounder. They flounder. I'm not saying, I don't think he, I definitely think he's gone through some changes mm-hmm. and maybe even personal growth. 
Right. But some of the personal growth feels unearned. It feels like yeah, yeah. it feels like it yeah, was he, turned on a dime, right? It it kind of well, was, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know if that's real personal growth. It's unearned. It's just an unearned change. I don't know if it's what is a in marriage counseling or marriage truism wor- world. One of the big like sort of maxims of that is that people don't change. Don't yeah, don't can, marry yeah. someone because you, they will become better. I mean, people change and people grow. That's 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 stories. <laughs> but like generally, right? But you can't. But don't try to change him. You know, like. Or, but he was a hundred percent changed. It wasn't like you know, like I've I've changed. I was a much worse person when I mar- first married my wife, but basically, <laughs> right. I'm a better version of the of the same person, and she's a better person of the same. We're not different, you know. Yeah, fundamentally, personality-wise, people generally stay the same. They just be- they either become more or less assholeish, like they you know are more or less that. But and but Ode is now like uh, like not just because he let him off, but because he's like he was so I don't know. He just seems o- like a mo- Odo. He you're right. He is a he is, and and I'm I'm not even gonna fight you. It's, it doesn't really work. <laughs> the one way. <laughs> if if you were gonna do this, I mean, find a way to sell that as well. He is a changeling, which it's it's he's changeable, but well, it's not. I think that they did it. They did it pretty good with Worf. Worf isn't a different character yeah. because of Jadzia, right? Like he's still a he's still like a standoffish, unsharing asshole who's under. Uh, you know, an immense, like um, too much control. Right, right. He's just, but it works with her. But I feel like Odo is now like a smiling, giggling, altruistic. Yeah. He he is like, to go back to my favorite thing, like, oh, make the aliens alien in some way. Like, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, that's, I don't, I'm not saying that they did. Like, it would be interesting if they're like, if they realize that they did change the core, they changed who Odo is at the core of his identity mm-hmm. which people don't generally do that and if they did realize that they did that and say you know what changelings can do that in a way that people that every other like race of people that we know can't and you do that in a sci-fi like conceit manner and with like good writing and development over seasons okay mm-hmm. i mean they didn't do that so if yeah if if i if we're going to do how would i fix it for the idea of odo's character in total over the seasons, and we know he's going to end here. That's how you do it. But I mean, that's that's easier said than done. Do they do a? I just don't remember. Do they do an episode in season seven where it's like they actually have issues because Odo is still a standoffish uh, fascist? I thought you would change, and he goes, "Why would you expect? Like, you either love me for who I am or not. You you don't love me for who I can be if I work at it. I'm still this just because you know." I'm having sex with someone I love. Like that doesn't make me better. Yeah. You know, like or different. And so I, I don't know, like maybe they mine that territory and where Kira just doesn't, she likes Odo, but it's hard to be around someone so dark minded or, you know, severe. Maybe. But I don't remember them doing that though. Yeah, I don't either. And then she, then he's like, you know, you've got to, if you want to stay in this and I want you to, you're going to have to find a way to put up with me just like I'm going to have to find, put up with like that you're like a religious rube yeah. <laughs> or something because I'm sure he's not that. Right. So I, I think, I think the only conflict that I remember in their relationship comes with him dealing with his people. 
Yes, you know? yes, this yeah. issue there. So, and that's more of a like a an immediate yeah. crisis, yeah, than a, yeah, yeah, than a a relationship then, problem. Exactly, you know? yeah, yeah. So I just think they give up on him, and then I mean, what they were doing with Quark was interesting. Jake was a non-entity. I don't know. It's, he was fine, but yeah, it's like he wasn't great either. Yeah, um, I I thought the whole thing would. I don't know. It was a weird B plot. I mean, maybe I can give it for him as clever because it's <laughs> it makes you like think, oh, this is what it could be. One of the schemes. It's gonna be like twisty and turny and have like a surprise ending. I think that maybe. Is that what Alan, or not Alan Moore, <laughs> Ronald D. Moore thought? Uh, what Ronald D. Moore thought was that he, you get the A plot that you think is going to be this uh, sincere rescue episode, and then you're going to have this schemy, plotty thing that's going to end with a double cross reveal, and then the B plot is the earnest one, and the, and the A plot ends with a twisty, turny thing. Maybe he was overthinking it. He was trying to be too <laughs> clever or something, but... Maybe we're overthinking it. Regardless to how I responded to it, I think that de- the episode had more heart... I, I agree. ...than yeah. most of the episodes this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like it had, a, like, a emotional center. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> even yeah. Which is sort of weird, because they don't always do that, like, right. or even a try to do that. The idea that it all leads to a yakety sax uh, scene <laughs> is the point of the whole episode, not... A flaw in the episode. <laughs> right. right. We're getting at the end of the season, so they're trying to re- realize what they're, and they know what's happening next episode, yeah. so they're trying to set the, That's the set. weird thing, is it almost becomes an episode about next episode, because the plots didn't have enough of a point on its own, so it had this sort of, so what is it O'Brien says, is that at one point everyone in the circle, one of you's not going to be there, and so I've been distancing myself, and so, you know, it's obviously leading yeah, up to... Yeah, it's worse change because someday we're going to wake up and we're going to find that someone is missing from this circle. And on that day, we're going to mourn. Mm. Like, yeah. So, I mean, if next episode didn't happen, the thing that happens next episode, mm. it would still be because we're getting at the end of the season and for as up and down and chaotic as the season has been, like they realize, oh, this season has been about the war. So they're trying to readdress yeah. everybody's damage from the war. So, I mean, that's what Cisco's going through with Cassidy and, and why O'Brien doesn't talk. I mean, why Julian doesn't talk anymore. And O'Brien is like scared his people are going to die. So he's isolating himself. And that's when they find three and a half year old body of Lisa Cusack. They're like, should we just leave her here? And they're like, what? No, fuck that. <laughs> Should we bury her? <laughs> I was like, no, we're going to take her and bear, give her a funeral with her friends or whatever. It almost seemed like that's how a lot of rituals or these kinds of things start where, like, and maybe I think that that is from this millennialist, exennialist perspective where so much of our life ultimately results in something empty and shallow and unrewarding. It seems like they all kind of got to that point where it's like, oh, well, this... It's fucking depressing. We didn't, you know, she was dead when we met her, you know, that kind of thing. And then they were just like, well, fuck, that's a fucking bummer to me. Not, I mean, it's a bummer. She's dead, but it's a bummer to me. Like I, I felt, and then, and then Cisco like, no motherfucker, we're going to treat her like we were best friends. We're going to bury her and give her your funeral. And I was like, <laughs> and that seemed almost like something that someone would do to try and ameliorate that kind of existential dread. No, no, no. We're going to make it mean something mother. And I, I get that 
impulse and I, I i didn't hate it yeah it's also like oh so we never stood a chance to save her it's like well no but she also wasn't quite as alone at the end because we were there with her even if it was three years ago you mm-hmm. know like she had somebody to talk you know and that's kind of what they come through and they have the irish wake jadzia shows up at the last scene because she has to explain an irish wake to wharf and he's like oh that sounds like a very clinged on thing so we drink sing and we laugh and we tell stories about the deceased you know bashir has this Look, I'm not an arrogant god. That was the weird thing is that is Bashir ever been quiet and standoffish? No. Yeah, they and they they kind of at the beginning Cassidy's like he wasn't always like this. But then the co- point of the episode is I you guys I know I'm quiet and standoffish, but I want you to guys to know I appreciate you. And I was like, but like that's not who you were in episode God, he's always in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of other characters that have been so consistently bungled for so long on a show. And maybe I just haven't thought about it in long term, but I, 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 don't people say that Tom Paris is like that? He just kind of sucks the whole time. <laughs> he sucked at the beginning. He he, he sucks all the way through. I, I mean, they say this about The Simpsons because it's the longest running show ever. Mm. You have like whole decade runs where certain characters are sort of broken or mishandled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the, the 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 decade where Homer's just too dumb to function. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you get dressed? Like, how do you hold a job? <laughs> like, how do you how do you buy a house on a single income? Like, you know, yeah, that makes sense that it shifts with the zeitgeist. But this is like telescoped where they've just never like at some point you just give up. You're like the character. They never, they never, they, yeah, some of these characters are never recovered. Don't watch the Voyager again, but I'm using it as a, like a case in point, but it just seems like, was it Harry Kim just never clicked as a character? Oh, Harry, Harry Kim got done wrong, yeah. I mean, they made, made, made him a jock, which was kind of nice for Asian American character, I guess. Well, he was the fresh face, like, greet wet behind the ears guy. Yeah, yeah. And then being stranded made him, like, like he grew up in the Delta Quadrant. And he, like, he comes back home a man. He's seen some shit. Right. Some real shit. But he never gets promoted from Ensign, whereas Tom Paris gets going up and down and he's not that rank catters for actors, but H- Harry, it Kim? Out, Harry Kim's stuck in Ensign the whole show. They never feel never. promoted? No, it's that's like a big joke on the internet. Like, they support Harry Kim gets stuck being in Ensign the whole time. Yeah. At the end, I mean, <laughs> O'Brien's like, and then... Sometimes, like, I was watching it with with my life partner or whatever, mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, and then O'Brien had that scene at the end, the monologue, like, and then some of us might not be here, and I was like, oh, somebody's going to die, and she was like, yeah, somebody's going to die, and I was like, oh, no, it's it's it's, it's next episode. It's <laughs> like, what? Mm. Really? Because, like, yeah, they, they were rushing it. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't know. It, it works a little. It works a little. I don't know. It worked a it little. It works better than a lot of these episodes we've been, like, the last two definitely what's your uh, watch a meter uh, uh i'll put it at like a seven probably put this at a five yeah, you said six <laughs> this James. is the most middling yes this is the most yeah, middling this is, a, this is the most middling we're in consensus that this is a middling episode <laughs> i think it's a little better than middling it's 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 upper we're middle five six seven that was our ranking yeah, wow Hugh. you know what else you put at a five after some deliberation profit and lace <laughs> yes so mm-hmm. you were as likely to watch this as your well, he watch but he said that, yeah he was, he's going to use it as a teaching tool, a teaching tool. Yeah. Yeah. right? Kind of like I mean I've watched W. D. Griffith's Birth of a Nation like three times in my life. It wasn't because I love Birth of a Nation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, yeah, I was like uh, please tell me I get 
I mean, I know that it wasn't because you love it. But oh yeah, yeah. Learn learn about me if this is your first podcast with me. Audience, do you need to know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Just just ask around about James. Feel resigned to like say no. Like this will do. Like, cause this season's been a, like a weird thing. This'll do. I'll take this one. But then I'm, then I started wondering, did I just get back from California and I'm in a better mood or like, I don't know. <laughs> I like, is... I don't like, then I start doubting myself. Like this one holds its own. These last two episodes, I don't know what was before that were just, mm-hmm. just pretty bad. Yeah. This one holds its own. It's interesting now that we're at the end of the season. Usually the last two episodes of an e- of a season are, are usually good episodes. And this this feels different because this is like usually they're t- trying to ramp up into what the story is going to be, mm-hmm. or this is like, oh, this is the story that we were trying to tell the whole season of the Dominion War, except we just had all this filler episodes that were just we'll knock off, like the arc of the season. This is still with the arc of the season. The season was just so uneven that we had these shitty ones, like just kind of pinned in, and even good episodes that weren't about the. Dominion War, like the best episode, Far Beyond the Stars, yeah, yeah. was just a one-off that worked, and a lot of these were one-offs that did not work. You know? Do you guys want to guess what the IMDb people think? It's two ways. I'm two minds on this. Is it because ultimately nothing really happens? So <laughs> does it get penalized for being nothing really happens, or it it conforms to a much more? It almost feels like a, you know, it's got that Twilight Zone twist, and people like that shit, right? So I wonder if. Do they give it props for that? I I don't. Seven point seven. I'm gonna go I'm seven. Gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna undercut. It's a seven point five. All right, you did a way to go. That's the IMDb rating equivalent of a five. Yes, <laughs> I was yes, gonna say absolutely. I was gonna say upper middle. Yeah, like I think we have a general consensus for the first time in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Like I said, we haven't done this in a while. I have calmed down a lot. Right. <laughs> and I gotta say, for our podcast uh, uh, listener engagement those episodes are really big for us the middling episodes where we don't argue too much or <laughs> wade you want to outro this thing or <laughs> no oh yeah. no i mean yes so yeah let us know what you think if you think that this episode was better or worse i bet you think it was all right too i don't know if you disagree with us give us a call and let us know it's uh if you ride or die for this episode or hate this episode let us know <laughs> if you were saying i can't believe james didn't play up this atrocity like please let me know i'm trying yeah, to if, and if you think why did not wade why didn't Wade ride harder for this and tell them to fuck off or something? Like, I don't know. Tell me. I, I was so cool on this episode that it makes me question. I, I should hate this episode more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I questioning I, myself on this. For all those thoughts, if you have things that you think we really need to know that you know, mm-hmm. give us a call at 917-408-3898. Check out all the other stuff we do. Go to kickersofelves.com. Go to the Patreon, especially for extra content and all sorts of stuff uh, at patreon.com slash kickersofelves. And do all the stuff that every podcast wants you to do, but not for the every other podcast. Do it for us because you're, yeah, because you got to do it for somebody and you should do it for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, rate and review and tell your friends uh, join us next week uh when one of the cast members gets transferred to a tv show called becker yes <laughs> yeah 
And on that note, thanks again for listening to the Rules of Acquisition. It's good to be back. We hope you join us next week as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade Janes and myself, read a beam out.